Hello everyone and welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 26. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes. Sometimes his presence is not keenly evident, but I assure you, he is there. All we need to do is look for him and you will find that you can achieve a life of hope and contentment. Today, I'm beginning a new format whereby I will be inviting individuals to have conversations of things that are of concern to people both inside and outside of the church, from the pulpit to the congregants. Topics to inform you, which also aligns with my mission, which is to lead and support individuals seeking to overcome adversity and live a better life and more meaningful life through developing a relationship with Christ. I will provide candid conversations and invite you to let me know topics that are of interest to you, and we'll work to include those as well. Today, I've asked Pastor Palmer Jason to sit with me and to bring me some insights specific to the church and where he sees it relative to a lot of the events that have happened over the past year and a half. Pastor Jason is the founder of Jubilee Community Church in Springboro, Ohio. Before I introduce him, let me give you a little bit uh, of his background. Pastor Jason holds a Master in Theological Studies from United Theological Seminary. He is also an MBA in Finance from Washington University in St. Louis, and he also has an Engineering Management degree from SMU in Dallas, Texas. He is the co-owner of Good Shepherd Academy, a child care facility, and he has other affiliations and serves on a couple of boards that I am aware of. I'm sure he'll inform me if there are more. And so, Pastor Jason, I want to say welcome to you. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your willingness to join me and um, get involved in some conversation about where we are today specific to the church and um, things that we can do or opportunities that we have as the church uh, to facilitate growth and have that more meaningful life that I speak about. So before I get started, tell me a little bit about Jubilee Community Church. How did you get there and how was it founded? Well, Jubilee was founded about 25 years ago. I was uh, graduating from seminary and did not feel um, that the Lord wanted me to candidate for a church, but rather to start a church. Um, he said to me that uh, new wine needs a new wine scan. So rather than going into an existing structure uh, of a church that was already started, he wanted me to plant a church uh, here in my community uh, in Dayton, Ohio. So that's what I did. I walked out and followed him. No, uh, had no people at the time and, uh, and no money, just a vision to uh, create a ministry with a model that is called a people set free to serve. I felt like God wanted people to be freed up from anything that was holding them in bondage from uh, pursuing him and um, pursuing their God-given uh, gifting and talent and doing what he asked them to do. That's an interesting tenet of people set free to serve. Personally, I know you come from a very successful corporate um, background, and you said you started this church with no money and no people. What gave you the courage, I will say, or impetus to do this? Because there are many people out there that are unhappy in their roles, and they don't know how to step out on faith and to trust God. So tell me what gave you that kind of courage? 
Well, I guess it's similar. My my call to ministry. I remember when I went to talk to my my um, senior minister in the faith, and uh, told him that I felt like I had a call of God on my life to to um, join the preaching ministry, and he said to me, uh, "Do something else." And then he said, after he paused, until you can't anymore. And so it was similar uh, with founding the church. It's not like I had a choice. You, you do something else until you can't anymore. And when it's an overwhelming call and passion and desire, you just have to step out and do it. What was the toughest part of stepping out? Because looking at it from this side, it's like it was the right thing to do. But there had to be some agonizing periods, periods where you thought, did I do the right thing? Am I on the right path? Am I really following after God or is this my own whim? Yeah, I think the hardest thing um, is learning to evaluate yourself differently. In corporate environment, you have goals and and you have uh, plans and it's like, okay, by this time next year, I'm going to have this. We're working on forecasts. You can basically know if you hit it or not. Um, in ministry, I had to start evaluating myself based uh, not on outcome, but on obedience to God. I'm going to do what he asked me to do and leave the outcome to him. And so the outcome, you know, it may not come as fast as you want. It may not come the way that you want. But my whole thing was I could rest at night if I felt like um, I was doing what God called me to do. Uh, regardless of what the world um, measures as success. So what makes you, what made you feel comfortable? How long did it take before you really realized that this is, this is what I've been called to do? Was it immediate or did you see something that gave you a glimmer of hope? What, what was it that tenacity that said, like Jacob, I'm not letting go till you bless me. Um, I think you, it's a daily walk. So you have to just get up every day and start down that road, start down that path. God sees the end from the beginning. So he will show you what it's going to look like or what the ministry um, will blossom into. But um, all of that's not going to happen overnight. You feel like it is. And so that gives you that energy and that enthusiasm and that, uh, that rush to go do it. But what, keeps you in the fight is the vision that the uh that compelling vision that says okay this is what god is calling me to do and i just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. until it actually manifests here in the earthen realm as it as you already see it uh in the heaven so what i hear you alluding to is faith i, I understand Absolutely. the vision and, and doing you know putting those vision boards together kind of reminds me of corporate when you do those forecasts but Sometimes the vision doesn't materialize or visualize uh, the way it is on the vision board, but uh, it, it occurs. So how does faith factor into that vision? Well, you know, the scripture says without faith is impossible to please God, right? So, um, and that faith is that substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So you just have to use your faith to, um, to activate the doing part of it. It's like, I'm doing this because I know um, by faith something's going to happen on the other end. Mm -hmm. So you say faith, and we know that the scripture tells us in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So 
it's substantive. And so does that mean there are measures of faith that you can have a little bit of faith and still achieve greatness? Or are you saying you have to have it all and then be able to just walk into the place that God is calling you to? No, you just have to do um, what you can with what faith you have. So I, I just always believe that God can steer a ship that's moving a lot easier than he can steer one that's moored at the dock. So you have to to launch out with faith and you just have to go do it. And how does one acquire that kind of faith? By developing it on a day-by-day on -day basis. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like when you exercise, you know, when you first start at the gym, you might just be picking up five, 10 pound dumbbells. And then as you go from faith to faith, you move on up to the 20, 25, 30. So you're not going to just keep going back um, to the things you started with. Faith is the same way. You start out, God gives you little tests. He gives you uh, little uh, steps of obedience that he wants you to do. And the more you're, and people say, oh, it gets easier. It does not get easier, but it should get more automatic. That you know what? I want to do what God wants me to do uh, versus not doing that this is the path that i want to walk so it, it comes by uh, repetition and by um by desire it's a desire to please god i like the way you use that um weightlifting analogy i was um given an example not too long ago of trying to understand the whole idea of muscle development and release and one of the things that the trainer was saying is that hold up some dumbbells or do those repetitions 30 times and you'll find they're tight. And then when you let them down, it takes a few minutes for it to relax and fall into place. And that's when you're developing and building. So well, what what in that whole analogy, what they're saying is that you're developing muscle, just like you're saying you're developing, if I'm saying it correctly, you're developing faith muscle. And yeah, you mm -hmm. relax when you see things are happening, but that doesn't mean you quit. If you want to keep developing, you have to keep lifting. You have to keep doing those things that will build it. Absolutely. Well, those are that that's a good explanation of understanding faith and the people set free to serve. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But I wanted to get your thoughts on how have you seen over this past year? It's just been tumultuous on so many levels. People not being able to see family members, churches closed, businesses closed. Some businesses are not reopening. You've got people that are losing their homes because of um, they've lifted the whole inability to evict people from their their homes. And some people are losing or those living, losing their apartments. But then you got people losing their homes because they have no income. So how have mm -hmm. you seen the effects of the pandemic as it affects the church? And when I when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the church universal, universal in the community. How do you see how have you seen that? Well, um, I think what it's done is helped people to apply their faith. I once heard someone say that uh, faith is like um, a tea bag. You don't really know what you have until you put it in hot water. And so a lot of times our faith has to be tested and tried. And I really think the pandemic has done that. It's tested people's faith to see um, what they're made of and, and their ability to persevere their ability to to be flexible to um, to change. You know, companies had to be flexible as as well as ministries. Um, we were not. We didn't have a big online presence before 
uh, the pandemic, and we were forced to do that uh, in a in a quick way. Mm -hmm. um, same with um, you know online giving or like uh, maybe forty percent of our um, congregation way prior to the pandemic, and now probably ninety percent. Okay. Sorry for that pause. We had a little bit of an interruption. Um, and to to really change. Okay. Okay. So what do you think needs to happen? You know, we have some individuals who continue to participate in church activities. They sign in online um, regularly and, and had a strong commitment. What do you think needs to happen in order for people to find the need for Christ? I'm sorry, my, my connection was a little shaky on that. Could you repeat that? Sure, no problem whatsoever. This is new technology we're dealing with, but what do you, what do you, think, needs to, <laughs> what do you think needs to happen in order for people to find the need for Christ? I know that um, at Jubilee, there wasn't a lot of interruption other than the inability to be in live worship, but what do you think needs to happen? Okay, since we did have that brief interruption, I want to make sure I, that you got the question. What do you think needs to happen in order for people to find the need for Christ? Or to okay. Go, yeah. Going in, um, sure. Going in. Um, I know we got interrupted again. Uh, what needs to happen? You said. Okay. Again. Um, I think crisis is the answer. That's. Crisis is the answer. That's what people have to have in order to um, to really begin to worry about or, or think about spiritual things. Okay. When there's a, a point in their life where they can't figure it out. Okay, so is there anything specific that you think the church needs to contend with as a result of coming out of this seclusion we've been in, involved in, forced into? I think just needs to continue to be the church to, um, you know, it's made up of people, it's living stones. And we have to get out in the world and get involved in people's lives. And there's no better uh, opportunity than crisis and, and a pandemic to, to show people um, that you care about them. And um, the more that you can be involved in, um, in what troubles them, and show them solutions and answers to, to questions in their life, I think the more open they are to spiritual matters. And what I hear are elements of compassion and understanding as a huge part of that. You know, one of the things I Absolutely. did not mention was that I am a member of Jubilee Community Church, and we've seen some tremendous breakthroughs and saw individuals who at one time would have settled for a specific place in their life um, but we've seen them go on to achieve tremendous success. I myself went back to graduate school as a result of, of being there, actually finished undergraduate school. So from, you know, I've seen people from starting businesses, um, successful, I might add, congregants that have gone back to school and achieving degrees. I've seen relationships healed um, and just found, found a newfound passion for really understanding the word of God. So how or where do you see the churches? The, again, that universal church ability to impact people's lives and not just the every Sunday, let's go to church, but overall, how do you see the church's ability to impact that? Well, the church should be influencing um, the world 
as opposed to the world influencing the church. We have tried and true answers that um, that can show people um, how to change their lives. And we change from the inside out, not from the outside in. So once a person is truly uh, metamorphosized, truly transformed, um, they will never be the same again. And so I think that uh, faith and uh, and especially the Christian faith offers that opportunity uh, for Christ to come and to be involved in your life and to to make you over again into um, the person that he wants you to be and knows that you can be. So what do you think is the strongest influence the church can have in the world, in our homes, in our work lives, everywhere? How can, how do you see the church being an influencer? When people see that it's not um, just an accessory, you know, that that the church is um, who you are. It's not just what you do or where you go. When it actually becomes a part of your DNA and it actually um, influences your thinking and your worldview and your ability to uh, to process uh, life events uh, through a, a set of filters that make sense, then I think that the church can be a, a strong influence. You know, a lot of churches are hung up on numbers, how many members they have, how much, how big the building is, how much money is in the treasury. What do you think the the main focus the church really needs to have? The, the church needs to be making disciples. It, when, and when I say disciples, I mean fully dedicated uh, followers of Christ. Find out what he did and and uh, imitate that. Mm-hmm. Go and and do what he did. And so it's the church's role is to create that, is to create um, opportunity and to create space for people to to practice that and to to put their faith into practice. And so tell us, what does Jubilee stand for? Um, again, the motto is the people set free to serve. But the ju- the word Jubilee is actually, I call it a backronym. We, we backed into the, uh, the different uh, letters. So the J stands for, for Jesus. Jesus is the Jubilee. He's the one who declared freedom in people's lives. And, and when you get him, you get freedom. Um, the U is that we're united in purpose. We have five purposes of our church: uh, uh, to worship God, to work with God, to uh, to be around the watering hole or fellowship with God, to witness for Him, to tell other people about Him, and to study the Word of God. Um, and then we believe in behavioral preaching and teaching. We want to teach in such a way that your behavior actually changes, not that you just say, "Oh, wasn't that a nice message." Um, we believe in inviting and inspirational services. When you come, we want you to feel like we want you there. And we want you to feel like uh, you heard something that was specifically for you, okay? Um, we believe in life-giving groups. You should be a part of a small group that gives you life, not suck life out of you. We believe that uh, every member should uh, is a minister or a servant. 
and then we uh, believe in an enabling structure. You ought to be able to go to a place that allows you uh, to do what ministry you believe that God has uh, put in your heart to do. So that's what the, the acronym stands for. Excellent. Well, I tell you, um, this is something that hopefully many that are listening will be able to glean from, from your experiences, from the things that you've been able to do through your faith and through your trust in God. Um, one of the things that uh, excites me, or I've always been pleased with, with as much of the training that you've had in your background and your schooling, that doesn't identify who you are, who you, who I see you as, as this person who identifies as a servant of Christ. And you've used all of your gifts to build the lives of other people. And that's really what it's all about. And we're, as we become disciples, we should be making disciples. So you're a tenant of a people set free to serve. I pray that everyone um, that's listening today have, uh, ha has heard this and, and taken it to heart because as we've celebrated uh, the 4th of July Independence Day, it was on the cross that we were set free and we are no longer slaves. Absolutely. We are no longer slaves to sin. And so knowing that you can be in an environment where the spirit of the Lord is and that there is freedom, that's exciting. So for all of you listeners, I pray that you have gotten something, at least a nugget of something out of this conversation we've had today that you can take with you maybe take it to your own um, environment, your own community, or even your churches and introduce new ideas, but ideas that are not just um, built on what someone thinks, but what the word of God says. So thank you, Pastor Jason, for your time and sharing thank with you. me uh, and all of the listeners. And until next time, God bless you and be sure to see the sunrise, to see Christ in your everyday situations.